I just want to point out this this episode is going to be talking about the Nexium cult. That's how it's pronounced. N X I V M. It's pronounced Nexium. We're going to be going through it a little bit, but before we get into it, it's going to be a rough subject, so I wanted to give you guys something nice. We're going to go through something nice beforehand and something nice afterward to kind of take a breather and prepare ourselves for this. So before we get into it, let's just take a quick look at some good old-fashioned Christian t-shirts, okay? I know a lot of you guys have been Christian. A lot of you were Christian at some point. In fact, apparently about 20% of my audience is currently Christian, which honestly I'm, I'm pretty happy about. I'm glad to hear that there are Christians who listen to my stuff. Because I would like to bring allies over from Christianity, as many as possible. As many as we can get to help fight extremism, you're welcome to be a part of it. You're welcome to be a part of the fight. So let, let's just take a look at some of these Christian shirts. And I know some of my audience members have worn some of these. And some of them actually sent me some examples of shirts that they wore. So let's take a look at some of these. This one says, Lord... Keep your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. What does that mean? It sounds like some kind of a weird BDSM thing. <laughs> Which, as you'll find, apparently a lot of these Christian t-shirts sound like a weird BDSM thing. Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus is calling. Oh, God, it's awful. There is hope should oceans rise and mountains fall. He will never fall. Freedom through Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. Ugh. Created with a purpose. 1 Peter 1-2. I wonder what 1 Peter 1-2 says. Let's just Google that. Because sometimes I think they just put random BS Bible verses on these. 1 Peter 1-2. It says, Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Okay, now let's read this again. Created with a purpose. What does that have to do with 1 Peter 1-2? I don't understand. Did they just slap some random Bible verse on here? Who've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. I don't understand. I just think they just put some random Bible verse on here. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Let's continue looking at some of these shirts. This one is modeled after the Coca-Cola logo, and it says, Enjoy Jesus Christ. Thou shalt never thirst. It's so bad. The next one says, Coffee. It's an acronym. Christ offers forgiveness for everyone everywhere. Jesus Swag. This is the next shirt. Jesus Swag. S-W-A-G. Serve, worship, and glorify. There's another Bible verse under there. I would venture to guess if we Googled that Bible verse, it would have nothing to do with the shirt. Let's, let's look at this next one. Jesus Freak. I don't know if that's something you'd want to broadcast. Another shirt here says, He is Risen. Another says, Team Jesus. Who would unironically wear these? Seriously. I was just talking about this with my girlfriend before the podcast started. And she was talking about how a lot of this stuff is kind of signaling. It's not converting anybody. It's not really doing any good for anybody exactly. It's not bringing believers into the fold. It's really signaling to people that you are a Christian. You are a fellow Christian. That's really what the goal is behind these 
t-shirts. And it kind of contributes, as she pointed out, it contributes to an us versus them attitude. It makes people feel a kinship with others who are wearing these shirts. These shirts are just, they're really terrible. Jesus, because of him. That's all that shirt says. Jesus, because of him. I don't really understand. All right, let's look at one more, and then we'll move on to the Nexium stuff. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. Okay, I'm looking that one up, too. They're not getting away with this. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. Okay, we found a shirt that the phrase matches the verse that it says on there. I'm glad we found one. They just don't even care, do they? They'll just slap anything on there. All right. I'll tell you what, let's get into this Nexium thing. I haven't, I have not talked about this Nexium situation because it's really, really ugly. Uh, Stephen Hassan has been talking about this for a while. It's commonly known as a sex cult, and there's been some really ugly stuff to do with it. Now, as you can see, if you're watching the podcast, I am on Wikipedia. Let me explain before you start yelling at me. I don't use Wikipedia for anything, and the reason is because I was researching a cult one time, the 12 Tribes cult, and I discovered that the article about the 12 Tribes cult had been written by a 12 Tribes member. It ignored evidence, it pretended it didn't exist, it downplayed everything, it talked about the rest of the world as being aggressive toward them and things like that. It was very, very obviously biased from beginning to end. It was complete garbage. And that is why I don't use Wikipedia anymore, because Wikipedia is open for anybody to edit anything at any time. And as such, cults will send their members in to edit things. That's a common occurrence. So you can't really trust information from Wikipedia about cults. Not really. Now, that being said, I did review this article, and I feel that there is bias in this. I reviewed it once before the podcast, and I looked at the references, and most of the references are legit. But I feel like the spin that this article from Wikipedia gives to this cult is favorable toward the cult itself. So let's see what was written about this cult on Wikipedia. I don't really want to get too deep into Nexium because it's, it, it is actually a very, very ugly thing. Uh, but I'll tell you what, let's just read the history of it, see what it has to say. In 1998, Keith Rainier and Nancy Salzman founded Nexium, NXIVM is how it's spelled, a personal development company offering ex- uh, executive success programs, ESPs, and a range of techniques aimed at self-improvement. Rainier claimed that the program's main emphasis is to have people experience more joy in their lives. Sounds a little bit like Scientology to me. A prior business venture of Rainier's Consumers Byline was accused by the New York Attorney General of having been a pyramid scheme. Rainier signed a consent order in 1996 in which he denied any wrongdoing but agreed to pay $40,000, pay a $40,000 fine and to be permanently banned from promoting, offering, or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme. One quick note here, uh, Young Living is not technically a pyramid scheme. That's because a pyramid scheme doesn't sell a product. What they refer to here as a chain distribution scheme, that is what Young Living is. Young Living, they sell essential oils and things like that. They have a product. Since they have a product, they're not a pyramid scheme. They're a chain distribution scheme. 
there is a distinct legal difference, and that difference needs to be recognized in a lot of cases like this. So anyways, he was accused of running a pyramid scheme, apparently, and denied any wrongdoing, but agreed to pay $40,000 as a fine and permanently banned from promoting, offering, or granting participation in a chain distribution scheme. So that that's what happened in 1996. By 2003, some 3,700 people had taken part in ESP classes. Remember, ESP stands for Executive Success Programs, reportedly including businesswoman Sheila Johnson, former Surgeon General Antonia Novello, Enron Executive Stephen Cooper, ooh, that's interesting, and Anna Christina Fox, daughter of former Mexican President Vicente Fox. Other participants were later reported to include entrepreneur Richard Branson, who later denied having taken the classes, and actresses Linda Evans, Grace Park, and Nikki Klein. In the early 2000s, Seagram heiresses Claire and Sarah Bronfman, the daughters of Edgar Bronfman Sr., became attached to the organization. So a lot of famous people got attached to the organization, basically. And it started in a lot of ways similarly to... Scientology, which is not really exactly a religious cult. Scientology isn't. It's more of a psychology cult. Um, I guess you could say this started a lot like Young Living did in many ways, and it operated a little bit like it too. During Nexium seminars, students were expected to call Rainier and Salzman Vanguard and Prefect, respectively. The Hollywood Reporter stated that Rainier adopted the title Vanguard for a favorite arcade game he played as a child, in which the destruction of one's enemies increased one's own power. Within the organization, the reasoning of the titles was that Rainier was the leader of a philosophical movement and Salzman was his first student. Nexium's training is a trade secret, subject to non-disclosure agreements, but reportedly uses a technique the organization calls rational inquiry to facilitate personal and professional development. In 2003, Nexium sued the Ross Institute, alleging copyright infringement for publishing excerpts of content from its manual in three critical articles commissioned by cult investigator Rick Allen Ross and posted on his website. Ross posted a psychiatrist's assessment of Nexium's secret manual on his website. The report called the regimen ex- uh, expensive brainwashing. The manual was obtained by Ross from the former member Stephanie Franco, a co-defendant in the trial who had signed a non-disclosure agreement not to divulge information from the manual to others. Nexium filed suits in both New York and New Jersey, but both were later dismissed. Now, as you can see, this is kind of providing objective information, but a lot of that information does have a pro-Nexium slant. That's kind of what I wanted to point out. But it mentioned Rick Allen Ross. I actually know of Rick Allen Ross. He is famously a another cult expert, similar to Stephen Hassan. And he talks a little bit about some of Stephen Hassan's stuff, too. He, I think he's written a few books on cults. Yeah, Cults Inside Out, How People Get In and How They Can Get Out. That's one of his famous books. About Nexium, it's basically, it turned into this big, ugly sex cult where they were branding women against their will. I guess the women were willing to be branded, but they were being branded with something that they they didn't intend to be branded with. They expected the brand to be one thing, but it turned out to be this guy, uh, Keith Rainier, turned out to be his initials in very sensitive areas. And they, they went into the situation expecting something completely different. 
It ended up being a huge mess. Let me pull this up. This is New York Times. In late 2015, Mark Vincenti, I'm sorry, Vicenti, then a senior member of the cult-like group Nexium, became disturbed about the physical deterioration of some women in the organization, including the actress Allison Mack. I began to see a lot of women just become wraith thin, he said on Monday, while testifying in the racketeering and sex trafficking trial of Nexium's leader, Keith Rainier. It began to look like their skin was translucent. Mr. Vicenti, who said that he believed that a long-standing concern over calories, weight, and appearance had led some women in Nexium to cultivate a skeletal appearance, testified that he approached Mr. Rainier to air his fears, saying that Miss Mack seemed broken. The response Mr. Vicente remembered was striking. Mr. Rainier told him, well, I'm not trying to break her. On the stand on Monday for his second day of testimony, Mr. Vicente, a filmmaker from L.A., who spent more than a decade in Nexium, described a near fixation among members on body image, a toxic view of women that he said was fostered by Mr. Rainier's teachings and what he termed erratic behavior by Miss Mack, also a senior figure within the group. Mr. Rainier, 58, co-founded Nexium in the 90s as a self-help organization. About 16,000 people took Nexium courses, with some paying tens of thousands of dollars. He's now on trial in federal district court in Brooklyn facing charges of racketeering conspiracy, identity theft, extortion, forced labor, money laundering, wire fraud, and sex trafficking. Over the last several weeks, five women who were charged as his co-defendants, including Miss Mack, pleaded guilty. Prosecutors have told jurors in the case that Mr. Rainier claimed to be a guru, but was actually a charlatan who used Nexium as a vehicle to control women. Former members have said that R Mr. Rainier encouraged female followers to nearly starve themselves so that they might achieve the sort of physique he found most appealing. Anyways, really, really ugly situation, really horrific stuff, and sex crimes get to me deeper than others for one reason or another. I, it, I just hate it. I can't stand it. I don't like... I don't like reading about it or hearing about it or any of that other stuff. It just, it, it really gets to me. It's really, really heartbreaking. And I'm genuinely glad that Stephen Hassan and Rick Ross are talking about this stuff because I just don't think that I can. I don't think that I can cover it in great detail, honestly. It's, it's just really horrific. So anyway, that's my bit on Nexium. Uh, I may end up covering it more. That's my bit on Nexium. Uh, as I said, I'd rather not read about it at all. It's pretty ugly stuff, but especially like child sex abuse cases, I've had to I've had to power through that stuff because Jehovah's Witnesses have an issue with it. A lot of cults seem to have an issue with that, and I just do not enjoy reading about it or talking about it. But I do. I I I feel obligated to talk about that stuff because it's such a deep horrific part of this it's just kind of part of the job you know so anyway um now that that bit is over let's look at more christian shirts let's let's calm down from that huge ugly mess these are so bad it is well with my soul i'm not sure what that means this shirt says it is well with my soul and then another shirt says not today satan i love it maybe i should get a shirt that says not today god because I, you know, I'm on Satan's payroll. If anybody is on Satan's payroll, I'm on Satan's payroll. I mean, I am being paid to talk shit about Jesus, pretty much, right? So if anybody is on his payroll, then it's me. I need a shirt that says, not today, God. And here's another shirt. It says, 
Crusader for Christ. Holy God. And it's a picture of a crusader on a horse with a shield that has a cross on it. That is dark. That is dark. I got to say that. Here's another one. It says, it's not about me. It's about him. And it's in the shape of a cross. Another one says cross training. And it's a picture of a guy carrying a cross. That's kind of lame. There, here's a shirt. It's not a Christian one, but it says save the chubby unicorn. And it's a picture of a white rhino. That's awesome. I actually love that shirt. I may have to get one of those at some point. Anyway, okay, that's the end of our segment. Um, ugh, God, I just I just can't stand some of that ugly stuff. Do you happen to have any questions for me, Potato? Uh, sure as heck. Uh, we got from Bale was asking, what do you think of anime? What do I think of anime? I don't really get into anime very often, although I did watch Dragon Ball Z when I was younger. Uh, much to my parents' dismay, they did not like that I watched that, but I did, and it was really good. That's pretty much the only anime I've ever really watched. Uh, Pokemon, I watched Pokemon at one point. They weren't a huge fan of that either, really, but didn't really say much to me. So yeah, don't really get into it, but eh, to each their own. Do you have another? Uh, sure. From Hrothgar's own, uh, did you get to widen your music exposure significantly after leaving Jehovah's Witnesses? I did not, and let me tell you why. The reason is because I listened to music. I listened to whatever music I wanted to listen to. It didn't really... Um, my parents had no control over that. They couldn't stop me. I had internet, and I had LimeWire, peer-to-peer downloading stuff, and so I listened to whatever, and I had the radio. I listened to a, an awful lot of Tool, which would have definitely been banned. I listened to a lot of... Pantera, Megadeth, Metallica, that kind of thing. Sublime, listen to Sublime. And they they couldn't really stop me. They didn't even know I was listening to it. So no, my music choices have pretty much stayed the same. Uh, They've always broken the rules. From Tate was asking, have you talked about or do you have opinions on the World Mission Society Church of God? I do not. I don't know much about them. The World Mission Society, you know what, I've looked them up before. The World Mission Society Church of God is a new religious movement that began in South Korea following the death of founder An Sung-hong in 1985. Within the same year, the church expanded its activities to other parts of the world and began to use the name World Mission Society Church of God. Interesting. Yeah, I've looked them up before. I don't know much about them, but I guess Rick Ross, another cult expert, he's been talking about them for a while, apparently. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll cover them one of these days. Bill just asked on the topic of topic of music, do you listen to Five Finger Death Punch? Uh, no, I never did. Uh, I I, th- I think they're kind of part of this movement called New Metal, NU Metal, and I was never really a fan of that stuff. I was a fan of a couple of bands that were considered New Metal. For example, there was a time when I had to live with my brother very short time six months to a year somewhere in there and he was jehovah's witness and he was extremely oppressive extremely oppressive because he actually knew what he was doing with computers he was like a software engineer and stuff and where my parents were incapable of monitoring what i did on computers he was not incapable of it and he's on the outside now and we've talked about this a little bit and he knows that it wasn't the right way to go but the isolation in my life was strongest at that moment in time because I I couldn't get on the internet I couldn't nothing so I knew some Jehovah's Witnesses 
at the Kingdom Hall in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was with him. And they were kind of part of a bad crowd a little bit. And they had corn albums. They had every corn album, five of them at that time. That's considered new metal, corn is. And they gave them to me. And I listened to them a lot. They were CDs. They they were burned CDs. And I just like memorized every every word on those albums because I wasn't allowed to have them. And they were heavy and so anyway it was just not a good time but yeah do you have another question for me Erebus of Dawn just asked uh do you believe in the Waco conspiracy theories the Waco conspiracy theories I don't know of any conspiracy theories relating to Waco I know that there was a cult in Waco Texas the Branch Davidians who famously there was like a standoff between them and the government and I think ATF maybe and ATF got a little trigger happy. and But in their defense, the Waco team, the Branch Davidians, were holding guns to their faces. So I don't know. It's kind of a big did the government overreach type of situation. And I think I give my opinion on it in the video that I did on it on the Branch Davidians forever ago. But I don't really remember all that well anymore. I don't know of any conspiracy theories. I know Alex Jones went there to cover the Branch Davidian thing, and and he got all in a huff about government overreach and stuff. I assume that's what you're talking about. Um, Before we move on, I just want to mention a couple of super chats, one from Alexander Ray. Please do a video about La Luz del Mundo Church. I don't know this church. I've never even heard of this before. Um, La Luz del Mundo church leader sends shockwaves through something, something. Interesting. I may have to take a look at that. Appreciate the super chat. And then Sarah Fitzpatrick sent a super chat. Thank you. I appreciate that. No message with that one. It's very appreciated. You guys don't even know. <laughs> anyway, do you have one more question? I'll see if I can take one more before I move on to guests. Oh, yeah. Cog just asked if you consider Nightcore to be a cancer to the music as an art. Nightcore. I don't actually know it. I don't know anything about it, in fact, so I can't really speak to it, unfortunately. Nightcore. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I'm sorry. I wish that I could give you uh, an opinion on that, but I would. I, I generally side with music being art, just for the most part, just generally. I would call music art, like any kind of music, even if it's complete trash. I mean, just look at Jackson Pollock paintings. Let me let me pull one up. So if you're watching the live stream or if you're watching this on YouTube or something, you'll see I have some Jackson Pollock paintings pulled up here. And they're abstract. So Jackson Pollock actually... He did some really, really famous art before that wasn't abstract. And, and he's actually a legitimate good artist. I, I think that this is complete garbage, the whole abstract art stuff. But it's still art. Even if I think it's stupid and garbage, it's still artwork. So no matter how bad Nightcore is, I still think it's art. I, I would still consider it art, and I'd still consider it music. So I just got another super chat from Izzy B., says, that reminds me of the Mormon Articles of Faith you memorized as a kid, specifically Article of Faith 13. Let me take a look at that real quick. Mormon Articles of Faith. Let's see here. Okay, so we have a bunch. Articles 1 through 4. Articles 1 through 4 read as follows. We believe in God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. We believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. We believe that 
Through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Interesting. So this person, the Izzy B, the person who sent this super chat, said Article of Faith number 13. Let me look at 13. Article 13. 13th article states beliefs in how one should conduct oneself. The admonition of Paul referenced appears to be Philippians 4.8. By the way, I'm sorry. I, it looks like we're actually out of time for another guest, so that that's going to have to be on hold until next week. I'm just going to finish reading Article 13 here. It says, We believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men. Indeed, we may, I'm sorry, we may say that we follow the admonition of Paul. We believe all things. We hope all things. We have endured many things and hope to be able to endure all things. If there's anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report, or uh, praiseworthy, we seek after all these things. Weird! This is so interesting. Articles of faith. Like, it's so segmented and specific and split up. And I guess, according to Izzy B, you have to memorize these? That sounds awful. Earlier Latter-day Saint creeds. You know, I may have to do a video on this stuff at some point. That sounds ridiculous. Religion really is a fascinating thing, isn't it? It's it's such a fascinating thing and so heartbreaking in so many ways. Once again, thank you to Izzy B, Sarah Fitzpatrick, and Alexander Ray for the super chats. Thank you guys so much. The first guest I have here is One Ring. Uh, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. We have we have spoken before, haven't we? Yes, we did. And I, I was I on the podcast on my birthday. Okay. Now, I think I can remember this. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're an ex-Pentecostal, right? Yes, uh, Foursquare. God, I nailed it. Oh, okay. So tell me about, like you say, Foursquare? I didn't know that was a Pentecostal church. Tell me about this church. Yeah, um... Foursquare is a uh, very much uh, Pentecostal light. Basically, the lady who founded it, and it was like founded in like early 1900s, but mm. she was like, "Yeah, the Pentecostals are doctrinally sound, mm. but they take things way too far." So, like, um, all the like all the snake handling and stuff, like. Growing up, I learned that not only was that, you know, crazy and taking things way too far, but we also saw it as like, you're, you're basically practicing paganism and snake worship. Really? So they were, they didn't believe that you should be handling snakes and all that other stuff. Yeah, but they also, you know, they believed in a faith healing especially for things like mental illness what about the other physical stuff like so there's snake handling i know some pentecostals do um they do the drinking poison thing have you seen any of that did yours do that uh no okay yeah that's something yeah we didn't do that that's something but Um, but faith healing is bad enough i mean faith healing is so harmful what what is your do you have like the worst example of a faith healing situation that you can think of like did you go to any kind of like conferences and see it happen or any of that or was it mostly behind closed doors growing up i had some uh, mental health issues Mm. uh with you know depression low self-esteem all that jazz so i went through like so many exorcisms i can't even i Mm. say exorcisms because there isn't really a actual term right but essentially exorcisms 
So what what did they do? Like, what was the process like for it? There are basically two way, you know, two two different ways. Like one is like the kind of in public where you go up to the front, you know, where they make a call for people who want to be prayed for healing. Sure. Go up, you know, say what you need. Like I'm dealing with this issue, etc. Yeah. The elders will uh, come pray for you, praying in tongues, and they'll anoint your forehead with oil and then another one is like you'll like going going to see the pastor for counseling it's like a one-on-one counseling session Mm. and you know you'll talk with the pastor of what you're dealing with he'll lead you through a prayer where you'll say spirit of depression you know in the name of jesus i command you to leave me now and they'll get you all riled up and then on, as you're going through this prayer, getting all pu- pumped and hyped up, yeah. they'll anoint you with the oil. And then, of course, the speaking in tongues. I've seen some of that. I've seen all yeah. of that getting people pumped up and the energy and the adrenaline flowing through them. And, and it's crazy. Like you can see the look in their eyes is just almost like yeah. a uh, mad look, you know? Yeah, like uh, I I joke sometimes on the server that the difference between a Catholic exorcism and a Pentecostal exorcism is in a Pentecostal exorcism, both participants are speaking gibberish. <laughs> right. It's so fascinating to get like a glimpse into the culture of these churches and things like I love looking at the Pentecostal videos on YouTube and and just watching how they kind of conduct their church services and stuff like that. Yeah. But what's your take on your previous religion, the Foursquare Church, I think it is. What's your take on it now? Yeah. After being out, like, do you feel like it's a? Do you feel like it's a cult? And in what ways um, are you unhappy with how things played out and and the way that they acted toward you? Or do you feel like it's a reasonably moderate, chill, okay church for the most part? I'd say it's on the line of being a cult bite model wise Mm. it's there's not very much on the behavior control but there is a lot on the thought and emotion control end of things so they're heavy on thought and emotion control you said yeah and a little bit on the information control because Mm. you know you're not supposed to consume certain media you know you're supposed to put it by what i'm gonna call the philippians test for lack of a better term What's the Philippians test? Well, you know, based on uh, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever, etc. Think on these things. Interesting. I don't actually, I didn't know that verse. I wonder, did they teach you that at church? If I didn't learn it at church, I learned it in the uh, church school that my church ran. <laughs> they ran a, a school, did they? Was it like, it wasn't a full-time school, was it? It was kind of a Sunday school type thing, I guess. No, it was a Monday through Thursday oh, school. Crazy. That's crazy. I had no idea that was a thing. Um, okay, uh, I've got I've got the verse up here. Okay, actually, wait, wait. What was the name of the verse? It was Philippians. What? Four eight. Four eight. Let me see if I can, because you were breaking up for a second there. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I see. So what was it that they were applying that verse to originally? 
yeah basically that you you kind of use you kind of had to use that as a filter for is this okay to you know is is this okay to be putting in my mind Got like it. so that's how it applied know. to like information control yeah that makes sense obviously you know harry potter is out the door all the various stuff that good yeah. christian did what about pokemon did they have a problem with pokemon too my church had a problem with harry potter oh yeah what did you watch when you were a kid and what did you read like I know that I wasn't allowed. I, I played some Pokemon because my church happened to be okay with Pokemon. Uh, just that one thing. But did you like ever read like any kind of what what types of TV shows did you watch and stuff? Mostly PBS. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the educational stuff, huh? Yeah, I watched a little bit of that too. I did play a lot of Pokemon games and stuff. I was not allowed to read Harry Potter, which is disappointing because I'm sure you can probably relate to this. But like a lot of kids in class we're talking about like harry potter pokemon i remember in fifth grade there was a a boy who traded or who gave this girl a holographic charizard card to date him i mean that's how integrated into the culture pokemon was you know so yeah and like you know everybody's everybody's wanting to go see detective pikachu because mm -hmm. they grew up with pokemon and i'm like yeah i'll I'll watch it when it comes out on Netflix or something yeah. because it's got Ryan Reynolds in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't even relate to it. I know exactly what you mean. Like yeah. people are always making Harry Potter references and jokes and I just don't get them. It's kind of disappointing. But anyway. Well, I, I've start I've started to get those because I married a Potterhead, so right? I kind of <laughs> that by osmosis yeah i'm i'm dating somebody who's like super into harry potter so i have to read the books it's kind of a requirement yeah. but anyway appreciate you coming on and talking to me again uh it's been a really interesting conversation so i hopefully we'll talk to you again one of these days okay oh yeah definitely all right have a good one um four square church uh, somebody else had mentioned that recently really interesting that that's the one that you were in i did not realize that 